Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae with me as usual, and Leland, uh, we'll go over the others again, uh, just as refreshers, but finally, Buffalo Gap has found that non-district opponent, and it's going to be Bath County. Yeah, Bath County, that's a game they won 71-20 to over the uh, uh, Chargers last year, did the Bison, so they've won the last five. Uh, they played from a stretch from 13 to 16, and then again last year, and that's the five straight they've won. But it's, a, it's an even series overall, 21 to 20. Uh, Gap leads it with one tie, and uh, so it's really even series. But those two programs are much different places right now. And, and, and I know Buffalo Gap isn't you know, knocking on the door of a state championship, but that score from last year kind of shows where those two programs are at, 71 to 20. So uh, it's good that Buffalo Gap got a game. Um, that's probably one of the most winnable games out of all these local games we have. Uh, I would really, you know, that's, that's my confidence points are high on that one for the, for the bison to win that one, but they're going to play on that first Saturday of the season where I think most of our local teams are playing on Friday, but it looks like Riverheads playing Taswell and gap playing Bath County will be on that last Saturday of February. So, you know, cross your fingers for no snow there. Um, <laughs> At least those afternoon games on Saturday have a chance of being a slightly warmer than probably that Friday night before it will. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad they finally got a game scheduled. I was wondering why the Pioneer teams weren't involved more in these discussions because they needed a game, too. Uh, so I'm glad this got lined up and it's we know who everybody's playing and, and that's great. Yeah, it will be good. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens again. Riverheads with Taswell. Stanton, Turner Ashby, Ford Defiance has Rockbridge, and uh, Wilson Memorial has Waynesboro, and then Stewart Straff has Broadway. Yeah, that's a lot of fun matchups. We've talked about it a couple times, and we'll talk about it again. But uh, yeah, it's. I'm just glad Buffalo Gap's not looking to try to force in another game from somewhere further away. I, I hate that Riverheads has played Taswell so far down the road, but hopefully that opens up some more opportunities to play them. The rest of these games are so. It's going to be really fun that first Friday, like most most season opening weeks is, you know, the the non-conference matchup, non-district matchups are usually interesting, just like all these are. So it'll be fun. All right. Well, let's move on to the college game, uh, college football this weekend. Saw Virginia Tech take on Boston College. Uh, very close game at half, but in the second half, Virginia Tech started to pull away about midway through the third quarter on and uh, ended up with a commanding 40-14 to 14 victory. And really, Leland, it kind of just was kind of the offense finally starting to take over a little bit with the ground game and get the ground game going. Uh, and look, I mean, you and I joked to, with each other in texts back and forth, like, oh, Hinton Hooker sucks at running. Um, he had 18 carries, 164 yards, three touchdowns. And, and the last one was just filthy when he put the spin move on that kid from Boston college and embarrassed him in front of, you know, all 1000 people that were at the stadium and then watching on TV. Um, but it was, it it was a good performance. I thought from Hinden hooker, 11 to 15, 111 yards and a touchdown passing. I'd like to see us open up the playbook more. Uh, and maybe they're just trying to ease him in right now. I don't know. Didn't Um, need to though. Didn't need to. He looked good. Yeah, I, I'd kind of like a, yeah. I'd kind of like to see us air it out a little bit more before we need to, so that you know he's got. I don't know. I just think if you wait until you need to, and then that's the first time in a season 
that you're saying, hey, we have to pass now. Can you do it? I just want to know yeah. that he can do it before then. It's been a year since he's done. Yeah, it would have been nice if he had some other opportunities earlier this season to uh, start the games and play in them. Um, mm-hmm. Unlike the ACC Network guys I was watching for a moment tonight who acted like it was some kind of secret of why he was away from football the first week of the season. Is because he was in the hospital with COVID. Like, <laughs> like they acted like it was potentially COVID or something. It was it was treated more like it was like an off the field disciplinary issue than it was medical issue. Uh, so I'm glad they have the research done there at the ACC Network. But yeah, it was a good game. We felt good after it. Um, it reminded you of just some good hokey games of the past where there is some tough no because because honestly it felt that way because Boston College plays tough. I mean they they weren't getting pushed around and their running backs came at us hard and we took care of it. Uh, what really benefited us was the amount of turnovers we were receiving from them. And we didn't take full advantage in the first half. In the second half, we did better scoring points off turnovers. And that, that's the difference in the ball game. And that's why we took off. Once we started scoring off turnovers, we started doing it. So, I mean, we're scoring 40 points a game. So with Hinden Hooker solidifying as the starting quarterback, something we didn't need to be convinced about before he ever took a snap, but it seems that everybody else has to be now. I'm optimistic about what our offense can do the rest of the way and the positions it's going to put us in. It's just our defense is going to have to do better than giving up 31 points a game and, and stop giving up seven yards a carry and, and that kind of stuff. So the next couple games, I think, is kind of tune tune the, tune the in here. We got Wake Forest. We got um, Louisville. And we got Liberty coming up. And so, like, we can kind of work on some stuff and maybe throw the ball around a little bit more earlier in games and and feel comfortable doing that. Boston College is a very losable game. We could have gone out there and lost it. So I don't mind. We're being successful, keep doing what we're doing, win that game. But yeah, it, if we if we score early against Wake, yeah, then maybe go down the field trying to pass the ball a little bit more or something and, and work some things out just against a Wake Forest team that doesn't look that good. So I, I was happy about this weekend. I was... I, I don't have anything really negative to say. I just it just makes me more mad that we didn't play our best players on the field the week before, especially when I see at the same time as that game going on, USC losing to Florida State. I I said this on the podcast last week. I don't think the talent level is that extremely different between us and UNC. A year ago, we played them even through six overtimes and barely won. This year, you know, we if we just had our talent on the field, I think that game's a different kind of shootout and maybe we win it. I think we have an opportunity to win it instead of fighting from behind the whole time. So I just, I just wish we would have had that opportunity. I'm glad it didn't take two losses. Like you keep saying, I'm glad it was only one loss to convince Fuente to make a change. I, it was only one this year. So, yeah, but I mean, it just sets up like the fact that we're playing Clemson at the end of the year. And it just feels like when you look at those schedules, even North Carolina losing to Florida state, you look at Notre Dame's schedule, you almost need UNC to beat Notre Dame, though, because I don't see another I loss on Notre Dame's... Dame's fake news. I don't see another loss on their schedule, though, Leland. I think they're fake. I, I think Clemson's going to beat them about as bad as they beat Georgia Tech. I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame playing Louisville, who I've seen Louisville not playing good football this year. It's a 12-7 ball game, and I don't see any explosiveness out of their offense. Their defense is fine. I mean, they... I, but they're not going to do anything to Clemson, so they're going to blow them out. I agree. Yeah, UNC, it, we probably are rooting for UNC to beat Notre Dame now so we can get them some losses, but we need UNC to lose another game too. You need UNC to lose that we won't two games. Yeah, you need to lose UNC to lose two games two, and, two more and games, not yeah. Notre Dame because and they, they would have the tiebreaker. Clemson, right? 
Uh, no, they don't. So that's where it gets yeah, hard. So that's where it gets hard. Yeah. Again, this is why, you know, this year with no divisions, like not playing your best players and it may be costing you a game is really not a great idea. Um, you know, we'll go to a bowl game and that's fine. But I just, if we lose because we have the best players on the field and we're just not the better team, okay. But if we're losing because our best player sits on the sideline for the first half, because I don't know, we're trying to prove a point about, you know, I can recognize what talent is and and Burmeister, uh, I guess we learned that you can't recognize talent. You're actually, you know, not good at evaluating practice talent versus game talent. And, um, I, I don't have anything else to say about it other than just next time start Hendon hooker, like at the beginning of the year, don't bring in another transfer quarterback. Who's not going to be better. Don't bring in another transfer quarterback. Who's not going to be better than him. Just leave him in. Just let him play. Yeah. I, and I, I get, I guess week one, we're not arguing because he, he was sick then. Like, that's fine. But as soon as he's ready to go, he needs to be in the ballgame. He needs to be treated like the starter from day one. Not The a Duke game should have been enough. Yeah. The Duke game should have been a scare enough. That should have been scare enough. Yeah. You beat Duke, who's a terrible football team, by seven points. And yeah. your quarterback couldn't throw the ball. That should have been yeah. scare enough because you're playing North Carolina the next week, who is a legitimate. Well, I mean, they looked legitimate. And then they lose to Florida State in kind of an embarrassing fashion. But they had looked like a really good football team. And they, they outclassed us without Hooker in there. I mean, they did. They were, they were a better football team. And uh, we got outcoached in that game on top of it. So it's frustrating to see, you know, with Herbert not being used in the first half and Hooker not being used in the first half. And then you put those guys in and they erase a 21 point deficit in the blink of an eye. I mean, it's just frustrating to see that. And then you see what they do with a full game against Boston college. Yeah, it's close for a while, but then we pull away 40 to 14 and beat a Boston college team that gave UNC fits. We did even in the first half. It's not like we looked bad at any point. We were pretty efficient. We just got field goal tries instead of getting in the Mm -hmm. end zone, but we were still moving the ball to scoring position. And I mean, hooker was throwing the ball eight for nine at halftime. I'm like, We'll take that all day. Yeah. So, yeah. And the one uh, incompletion week, was, saying- um, I think in the first, no, it was off the back of somebody's helmet, which the announcer was like losing his mind. He's like, if the linebacker could find the ball, he was running back because we beat him. Fainer it was right just, yeah, it just hit his, he didn't clear his head. If he had cleared his head, it's a touchdown. I mean, whatever. I don't like the yeah. announcers we typically get, but it's whatever. Last last week you were saying how we're not a top 25 team, and I, I didn't really look at it last week, but after seeing the lack of defense throughout the top 25 and then looking at the teams that are around us on this week's top 25, we're 19th now, you know, not counting the teams that haven't played a down of football yet. So I just think it's weird that they're involved in this ranking. Um, yeah, I don't. I think we are a top 25 team. I think, especially with Hinton Harker on the field, I know our defense is not what we're used to, but – I don't see how out of place it is. I, I think all these defenses are struggling because of lack of preparation due to the, on the, on the off season. So I think we're a top 25 team. Do I think we're a top 15 team? Probably not, but I, I think we're somewhere between 16 and 25 and we'll probably wind up there by the end of the season too. We'll see. Boston college is a team that really didn't want to run the ball a lot either, which I think is weird. Yeah, they're good at running it, but I, I don't know when I see, SMU at 16, Iowa State at 17, Michigan at 18, us at 19, Kansas State at 20, 
Minnesota at 21, Marshall okay, at 22. Okay, but when you factor in the State, Big Ten. Like, we're in there. We're when you factor in the Big Ten, we're not a top 25 team, though. I am factoring in the top 10, the Big Ten. I am absolutely factoring in the Big Ten. They have six teams, or there's six teams in the Big Ten or the and the Pac-12 in the top 25. Michigan is 18th, right ahead of us. So uh, I'm absolutely yeah. factoring in the Big Ten. Okay. If SMU runs the ball, I don't think we stop them. I'll put it that. I'll put it that way. Teams that can run the ball, we don't do very well against this year because we don't have the the players to stop it. Let's, well, let's hope Wake doesn't see that. We play Wake three thirty on Saturday on the regional sports network. So that's not ACC network. We'll get back to that quickly here in a minute. But UVA they played Wake for us this week and lost forty to twenty three. I thought last week's loss for them was a real disappointment this one i think is worse because wake forest is a worse team um i'm still not impressed with nc state i I know they're better than they were when they played us in the first half of our game but i i i'm surprised uva has fallen off this much is is what i'll say i know their quarterback is hurt but their quarterback got hurt when they were already down 21 nothing in the last game so really you can only say that for this game against wake that the quarterback is the reason last game was not they were already lose. They've already lost that game when the quarterback went out. Um, it would be interesting if they had a quarterback that was deserved of being on the ACC football field. Like I don't understand how that's happened to them. Yeah, I don't understand like, how you are, don't. Like I, I get there's going to be a drop from your starter to your backup, but and I don't know, man. This number thing bothers me. Like if you're going to wear number thirty six and play quarterback, you better be you know good. Uh, otherwise, you just look like a play. clown show. And, and like, I, I, I guess Jeff Wright, was that private messages or was that? It was private messages. Uh, it was private messages. Well, he, he mentioned, and I think this is probably public knowledge enough that like it's something with Bronco Mendenhall and you got to earn your number. It's not given. Well, like he's on the field playing, he's earned playing time in some way by being the third string quarterback. Like maybe you adjust his number after one game. Like when you realize he's going to be playing out there. So he doesn't look like a clown show with his play and his number, like just 98, 99. I mean, they're just drawing attention to like, Hey, I don't belong here. Like it looks like a JV high school team. Like, it's just, what are we doing? Yeah. Hey, we ran out of the good numbers because you know, the really talented kids wanted to keep the Jersey. So these are what we have left. They're all stupid numbers. And, and we've sent high praise to Bronco Mendenhall for making good decisions about mostly life issues. Yeah. I just think it's weird, weird. but it also (laughs) reminds me that, as much as you trash Justin Fuente, we have three quarterbacks better than that guy on our roster. So, like, I'll take that. I mean, we have we have Brewmeister, who you don't like, is more efficient than this kid is for UVA. Mm-hmm. And then we have Quincy Patterson, who Justin Fuente must feel make him feel like a king of the castle because he's still I, at Virginia Tech. I'm telling I mean, you, that Justin guy Fuente loves has Virginia done something Tech. Right in the QB room to have that much talent sitting there, and to have choices of who he's going to play at quarterback even though we don't like one of them, that's fine. But it's just, it's better than what UVA is rolling with right now. What happened to their second string guy? What's, what's up there? Like, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be, like, I guess I'm being hesitant because I don't know if there's something COVID related or something. I'm not trying to like, I have no just idea. slam this unpreparedness because it's, it just seems out of place for a team that's kind of built pretty well. These last couple of years, they've gotten better and better beat us last year, which was, you know, their super bowl. And um, they get to b- break a brick because of it. So it just surprises me to see that. They play Miami this weekend. Obviously, it's on the ACC network at 8 p.m. And just so you're not 
if you're confused on games coming up for UVA, hey, the week after on Halloween, you'll be on ACC Network again too, just as will the Hokies. Hokies will play at four. UVA will play at eight because that's the only channel that they're going to put UVA or games on and most Virginia Tech games. And Pitt has a bye. That's the only reason they didn't put them on the ACC Network. It's it's just any hesitation a couple weeks ago when I brought this up about it, and I know you were being devil's advocate and just arguing the point. I mean, it's just odd. I mean, it's just, it's just, it continues every single week. It's obvious what they're, the game they're playing. It's ridiculous and uncalled for, and it's bad for everybody. Well, the Miami Who's game. Who's benefiting from this? Who is benefiting from this? I don't know. If Comcast gets enough phone calls, the ACC, I guess. But I don't they know. They haven't for a year and a half now. I don't know. And they did this in basketball season last year, too. They kept putting UVA on uh, ACC Network, and they, they put us on there a lot, too. I just thought that's because we weren't that great. But UVA was a decent basketball team last year, and they kept shoving them over there as often as they could. I'm telling you, it's better for the ACC. I don't care where the team plays, what state, who has Comcast, who doesn't. It's better if the random college fan throughout the country, on the West Coast even, in the – afternoon they can say hey i want to watch a little sports i want to watch some college football they turn it to espn or espn2 it'd be cool if they saw some acc teams instead of these other team any other teams they moved sec network games to espn so don't tell me you can't move acc network games to espn when schedules change or just do it right from the beginning but you also have umass on there i don't i don't understand it the UMass one was the hardest one to understand. Uh, in terms of moving an SEC game versus an ACC game, that might be ESPN's call. I don't know. Um, it probably is, but the ACC should stop. I mean, when has when has the ACC been on at the right? Like, there's so many opportunities for them to be on, and they're not. There was a 3.30 open spot on ESPN2 two weeks ago. There was no team playing on ESPN2. They showed, like, an hour 30 for 30 program and then some other crap. They probably could have shown a football game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Um, I keep telling you. They're screwing us, Joe. I keep telling you. Well, I got news for you. Any UVA fan that's upset that the game against Miami's on ACC Network, they're doing you a favor because that's <laughs> going to be bad. That's not going to go well for you. You can that go ahead and put the kid that wears number zero at quarterback for that game because that's how many points you're going to score. That game is going to be yikers. That's also how many seconds you're uh, going to be leading that game. It's it would it would be shocking. To be fair, I don't know if football. we're going to be leading Miami at any point in the game next when we play them yeah, either. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I so. the UVA game versus our Miami, offense, yikes! Our offense can score. I think we're going to be looking at like a Big Twelve game is what we're hoping for in that game because our offense should be able to score. I just I don't know if our defense will stop them by ten, by then. Uh, Liberty beat Syracuse. That was probably the other uh, game of note uh, over the weekend. I. I didn't realize Syracuse was as bad as they were. I, I know I didn't think they were good. Oh, I knew they were bad. Um, I didn't realize Liberty was favored in that game. Yeah, so that's I, why when you guys were – Yeah, that's why when you made yeah, your pick I, of Syracuse, I was like, wow, someone has not been paying attention to Syracuse. Yeah. I, I saw them in a couple of their ACC Network appearances. Maybe that's why you didn't watch them because uh, you're boycotting the ACC Network when Virginia Tech doesn't play. But, um, yeah, that that offense is a train wreck. Syracuse has only been on the ACC network uh, twice. They've been on the regional sports network three times, ESPN once, you know? Well, the time I watched him was not on the regional sports network. It would have been on ACC network. <laughs> <So it's> on... <laughs> yeah, they're, I have a full page of research on this. So. They're bad. But yeah, I, I was surprised. 
Jeff brought up the point in a tweet asking, hey, Liberty wins this game against Syracuse. What if they beat Virginia Tech here in a couple weeks? You know, are they on their way to the college football playoff? My answer is an easy no, because who will they have beaten? We're terrible if Liberty beats us in a couple weeks. Syracuse is obviously terrible. They won't beat anybody. And that reminds me of the argument that I keep making against these other teams that beat like Kansas State or Iowa State. And Joe's like, oh, look, this is why everybody deserves a chance. Well, they beat bad teams in big conferences. They didn't beat. Iowa they State is ranked number 17. A, say it again. Iowa State's ranked number 17. They're great. You were dogging them because Louis, because Louisiana was close to them in the first game. Don't give me no, 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 no. We're not doing that. After week one of this season, you trash. I'm just saying, if we're moving them back up to 17, if we're moving them back up to 17, they're great. Then they're not great. They're not great. We're we're 19th, and you say we're not a top 25 team. Why is Iowa State two? I don't think they're a top 25 team either. Yeah. Come on. I don't think they're a top 25 either. That's the way they haven't beat anybody. And that's why I'm saying Liberty wouldn't beat anybody either. And so um, that's just, it's nice dream, but it's just not going to happen. But I I, I know Jeff Wright probably knows that. He's probably trying to get a rise out of us because we are always so positive about what uh, Liberty can do. Um, Jumping around, there was other blowouts. Bama then beat Georgia late uh, Uh, while our game was going on, 41-24. They pulled away the way Bama does. I was surprised to see Saban on the sidelines. I know you test positive and then you got to have three negative tests to get back out there. And what Saban said on game day, Saturday morning was he wasn't treating it as a false positive. They were treating it as asymptomatic. And then here's my three negatives. I, it, I was surprised to see him out there. I guess it benefited them because he is the, the captain of the boat down there. Um, but I was, I was really surprised to see him out there. They win. No comment on, on the testing procedures, but, um, yeah, it sucked to watch them pull away from Georgia. I Let me Far talk left. about the big games this week. Get ready, because the Power Six is on display with Cincinnati and SMU. I know Leland's going to poo-poo SMU, but they're number 16 in the country down there in Dallas. The Pony Express is back, and they're taking on the Bearcats. Now, obviously, for my Bearcats and my uh, desire to get a group of five team in this playoff i'm going to be rooting for cincinnati but if smu wins this game i think they deserve a shout uh to get in the playoff because i think they will have earned it it's it's joe's approach to this you know team of five approach whoever hasn't lost yet is all who i'm all over who hasn't lost yet oh that's who i'm all over because it was ucf who's now lost twice they've just lost to memphis this yeah weekend. and rough that's game. who you were sure was gonna i just know, think i just think this year. shows how good the american is i think when you see this much parody in the american it really goes to show you that whoever wins this conference deserves especially if they run the table deserves to be in the playoff i just find it really funny i act i <laughs> no one's running the table in the big 12 <laughs> I know, I know, and that's the thing. I'm not fully against this whole American deserving more respect because they do put teams in there and they represent themselves well. But this year, with you know, you've only been a, a big on Cincinnati for about two weeks now, <laughs> and if they lose this week to SMU, then you're going to be big on SMU all the time. Yeah, I'm going to buy me so a, so I'm going to buy me an SMU hat if, if SMU wins. Yeah, it's Pony <laughs> Express. It. Let's go. Order it up. Big Ten gets back in action. There's not a lot of good games there. There is uh, Michigan at Minnesota is ranked on ranked, and that's the night game on ABC, but not a whole lot else to mention there from the Big Ten. 
Um, Ohio State plays Nebraska at noon. That'll be a whooping. That'll be a, a spanking, a punishment for everything Nebraska said in August. They're going to get punished in October. I'm excited. If that's a, if that's a two-score game in the first quarter, Nebraska should pat themselves on the back and walk off the field because that's a win for them. The NFL uh, played this weekend. <laughs> it seems some of these weeks, sometimes on Thursdays, you're not sure if the NFL is going to play that weekend. Um, but Tennessee won over Houston because Houston doesn't know how to score points by kicking. They failed to kick a field goal at one point, and they also ridiculously didn't kick an extra point when they should have, and they allowed themselves to get tied late in that game, and then it goes to overtime and Tennessee wins, and that's because they have the smarter coach. Both of those guys have coached with Belichick a bunch. You would think both those guys would pay attention to clock things, but nope, only one of them does, and that's Vrabel. And Vrabel, it's been all over Twitter today and late last night of he understands the rules of the games and what stop, what penalty stops the clock and for what reasons and everything. And he, he plays it right and he's done it again. And Vrabel's a really good coach. And uh, this is, I think, the beginning of something probably pretty good. I know you're big on Tennessee, and this is me kind of realizing that they probably are more for real than I give them credit for for a team that played in the AFC Championship last year. I still don't think they're going to the Super Bowl this year, but they're just well-coached team. To go through all the adversity that they've been through in these last two weeks, the investigation of how they're handling COVID, the players that were gone, for them to win that game the way they did, I think just shows how well-coached they are. Yeah, I mean, I said the Titans were going to be a good football team at the beginning of the year. You still don't think they could win the AFC. I don't know what else they have to do to prove it to you. Um, I think they can now. I guess I probably I'm saying they, it's possible. I I was probably hard on them at the beginning. I just didn't see it was likely. It seemed like such a like a lucky road they took last year, and it was. I don't know. I still look at the Ravens as being a better team than them. I mm-mm. definitely think Kansas City's a better team than them. I think they barely squeaked one out with with. Uh, the Bills, I just think they're a tier below. I, I, I think the Bills only have one team. loss, though, don't they? That's their only loss. They got their second loss tonight against Kansas City. Oh, but, okay, I didn't uh, watch that game. But, I mean, that's a good team. Like, I just think the Titans are, aren't quite – I don't think they're as good as the Chiefs or the Ravens. And I don't know where I'm putting the Steelers on that list. The Steelers are somewhere right in there, too. I, I, they play next week. The Titans and the Steelers play next week, so that might help me figure that part out. Um I think it'll be a t- close game, a good tight game. So that might kind of put them at the same level. And maybe that, I don't know if that brings the Titans up or it solidifies the Steelers at that second level. But I think the Chiefs and the Ravens, like I did last January, I think those are the two best teams. Just the Ravens didn't play that way last January. We'll see. I mean, I, I just think the Titans are a team that is kind of built that can beat the Chiefs, right? Like we saw the Chiefs lose to, I believe it was the Raiders. Yes. That's right. Am I right? That's the team that Chiefs, the Chiefs. lost to the Raiders. Yeah. And the AFC West and stuff like that happens out there sometimes. And like, well, but the Raiders are built in a similar fashion. Okay. But my point but is the Raiders are built in a similar fashion to the Titans, which they have a quarterback that can, and actually I think Ryan Tannehill's better than the Raiders quarterback in Carr. And they have a, an elite running game, and that's how you do it. I you just, Rabel's a better coach than Gruden. you run the ball. Yeah. But you run the ball and you, and the Ravens didn't run the ball. They fell behind early. But if you're a team that can run the ball consistently and you have the power backs to do it like Tennessee does and you have a quarterback that can throw it, that's the difference. I think, look, if we're talking about passing, Ryan Tannehill's better than Lamar Jackson. If we're talking about total package, I'll take Lamar Jackson. But if we're talking about just the passing aspect, I'll take Ryan Tannehill. The football team played. I, I didn't mind that they went for two in the win. I didn't love the play. How the, the play didn't go well for them. But 
I don't mind the going for two for the win for the football team. Yeah, it was. I I liked going for two riverboat Ron style, um, just because I think you're. I don't know. That that's probably a matchup of two similarly terrible teams, but I like. I like when people go for two in that instance because it's saying I'm not going to give the other team another chance to beat me, and I think my team's good enough to get this play. Now it turns out they weren't on that play. They're not. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how that game was that close, other than like I said, it's just two really bad football teams playing each other, and someone yeah. someone has to win more times than not. Although if you ask Cincinnati and Philly, they can die. But. Um, yeah, it was bad. I'm glad they didn't kick the field, the extra point, because I do think we would have had a tie if they had done that. I do think Probably, neither one of those that, teams I mean, it was a low-scoring game, yeah. Th- those teams are so your bad. Ra- your Ravens were looking good for a while in your game, but then the Eagles came storming back in the second half, got all the momentum, and they were a two-point conversion away from tying that thing. Luckily for, for your boys, they didn't get it. Uh, but they moved to 5-1, and one, beat the Eagles, now you're sitting in a bye week waiting for Pittsburgh the week after next. Yeah, we get an extra week to prepare for the Steelers, which is good. Um, I actually, uh, look, fake take. Um, we we got the Eagles' hopes up just so we could crush them at the end. We were That game was never in any doubt. We knew what we were doing the whole time. Real take, I got worried. Um, when I saw the Eagles coming back, I, I told myself, I was like, if this game goes into overtime, we're going to lose because we haven't scored in so long and our team looks like a haphazard mess out there right now. Um, the frustrating part of some of these games, and it was kind of like the Bengals game the week before, um, we get up and then we try to pass. And I guess they're trying to get Lamar to be able to pass and have confidence in that. But at a certain point in that Eagles game, you just kind of needed to keep running the ball to run the clock out. And because we're really good at it. And if Lamar can't pass, he can't pass. We know what he is. Sometimes some people aren't as good of passers as others. And maybe Lamar's not an elite passer, but he's an elite runner. And you just have to hope he doesn't get hurt. And you have to kind of play what he can do. I mean, he he is what he is. His accuracy has improved so a long way from the... college. But it in a situation where... If you try to make him a pocket passer guy, it's just not going to work for him. So you kind of need to understand that and move on. The Steelers are good. (laughs) Steelers are good. Let's move over to Major League Baseball. I don't want to jump into this too much because I know we're going to have John Leonard on later, and we're going to talk plenty of World Series with him. The coolest thing I was hearing about about this World Series, listening to the radio today, is I just didn't quite realize that Andrew Friedman, uh, the GM, for the Dodgers, he was at Tampa Bay from 05 to 14, and he was really the architect of that 08 World Series team that they had that went on the World Series and lost to Philadelphia, but also those playoff runs in 10, 11, and 13. Um, he left after, you know, uh, I guess in 14, in the October of 14, and then Tampa Bay didn't make the playoffs there for a stretch. They, they kind of had to retool and get back to this where they're at now. He goes over to the Dodgers, and they're in the playoffs every single year, and this is their third World Series visit in uh, four years. So he's really done a good job. So this is this is like a testament to what he's done. The mindset that Tampa Bay still uses, the low-budget, finding value in the players that he instituted there and, and really brought success to Tampa Bay, now he's doing with the Dodgers with money behind him and really trying to – get the right talent and 
piece it all in and then be able to afford to keep those guys like he has. So I, it's a, it's pretty cool world series for Andrew Friedman. It's kind of like what they kept trying to make happen with uh, the Cubs and the Red Sox there for a couple of years when Theo Epstein had come over from there, everybody was like, Oh, how cool would that be when those years they were contending? Uh, here's Andrew Friedman actually doing it. So uh, that guy deserves some praise uh, this week as, as the two teams that he's really brought into some great success that those franchises hadn't Tampa Bay had never seen before and LA hadn't seen since the eighties. He's really gotten them there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, that's a storyline I haven't paid much attention to. And I guess I don't, I would say he has done a great job building this Dodgers team. Uh, he didn't build this Tampa Bay team, but he built a great Tampa Bay team that went to a world series and, now he's done it again with a little different way, yeah. but still similar mindsets, but just with money behind it. I, I think he deserves high praise. Yeah, I'd say he's done a good job building this Dodgers team. I just said that. Um, and now the counterpoint to that is, and my brother and I have talked about this, if they don't win the World Series this year, I've never been big on firing coaches who get deep in the playoffs and go to you know championships. Um. But this will be three and four years. If he doesn't win, I think you got to look at Dave Roberts like greatly underachieving. Because that was well, the takeaway I, I had in the NLCS, I, watching them play the Braves. Like their entire lineup, top to bottom, I'm like, oh my god, this guy is so good. Oh my gosh, this guy is so good. Oh my gosh, this guy is so good. And but they won it. They won the that series. Yeah, they should have won a World Series somewhere in there. Well, the tr- Astros are beating the trash can. Like they couldn't, they couldn't win that one because the can was being banged out in the outfield. What was their like, excuse against the? Well, year. the Red Sox cheated, and then they lost to the Astros again, didn't they? They lost to even more money with the Red Sox. I, I mean, they've been right there. I, this is why I'm probably okay with that. Like that, I'm I, that I'm accepting of them no. winning it because it just feels like they're due, and I, I no. guess I'm just not against that. And I don't think, like I will, I know I want to bring up with John Leonard later. They're just not money only there's they still can see a very good foundation of well-managed development and keeping certain guys and not letting peterson go not letting seager go not letting plenty of those guys uh bellinger go like all those guys had to be talked about at some point on the front end of their success of pieces to the puzzle while they were trying to put it together and they made commitments to keeping those guys there and then also paid them money and they had to pay them big money to keep them there i i don't know like they've They've taken an approach to winning and been successful at it, and they're in the World Series three out of four years. I can get people maybe being tired of seeing them there. I guess that's maybe why I'm okay with them winning. Win it this time, and then I'll be sick of you, and I won't want to see you later, and I'll be jealous, and I want my team to be like you. But I just I just don't look at them the same way I look at the Yankees. No. Uh, big money is big money, no matter how I get it. Um, and I, I'm not rooting for the Dodgers. I was surprised how big Houston, how big surprise Houston's money got. Yeah, I didn't realize they were as high in their payroll as they got. Mm-hmm. They went from nothing to top. Yeah, it ballooned up. Um, fourth. Yeah. Yeah, it ballooned up quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm not rooting. I'm not rooting for the the Dodgers. I'm rooting for small market Tampa Bay, uh, and hopefully they can win it. Um, it'd be their first championship in their franchise history. It's only their second World Series in franchise history. That would be a kind of a cool story. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning and Tampa Bay Rays will have won world a championship in this pandemic, uh, which would be which would you, be pretty you mean, cool. 
You mean the Lakers and the Dodgers winning it doesn't give you the same kind of warm feeling? <laughs> yeah, two big money teams. No, it doesn't. I, I hate it. Yeah, I hated watching the Lakers win, and I would hate watching the Dodgers win. It would be disgusting. The good news is Clayton Kershaw is a Dodger, so he'll do his best to make sure that the Dodgers don't win. But um, hopefully Tampa Bay can find so the pitching and it. lock it down because the offense is going to have to hit better than they did uh, the, the back half of that ALCS, and John will talk about that. Uh, you'll hear that with John mentioned that, and that's where he's exactly right. I mean, o- offensively, they kind of disappeared there for a while. So this will be the first small market win if they're able to win it since what Kansas City did it in 15, it looks like. So, yeah, that'd, that'd be cool. I it's, mean, I'm not against, like, small market teams in Tampa. Like, I like I've said, and I'll explain it more later, I'm just not as big on Tampa Bay. I, like, they're one of the small market teams I'm not big on. I if looking at the bottom of payroll, if Baltimore or Pittsburgh or Kansas city or Oakland, that's, you know, five of the bottom teams there in payroll, I would, I would be rooting for them in small markets. I just, I'm not big on Tampa. See, Kansas city is not one I rooted for. And I think it's because I looked at that team and that team had no business winning a world series. I don't, I still, to this day, don't know how that team won a world series. That team was so bad. Maybe they were beating a trash can. Um, but I, I do also want to say before we move off this, because I forgot to mention it when we talked to John, um, that this is uh, the two one seeds making it. It's only the second time that has happened this century. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted to do was rip apart your putting him on the hot seat. They had the, like the best winning percentage of a team in Major League Baseball in a long time. He's made it to three or four World Series. I'm not saying it's not like something for them to think about, but they don't fire him this year by any means. I don't care if they get swept. You have maybe one of the best rosters ever assembled in MLB history. If you don't win a World Series, you kind of, yeah, you maybe kind of get on the high seat. I don't see a world where he's fired this year. Maybe it's something to think about, but Uh, it depends on how this series goes. If it's a seven game series, you're right. If it's a seven game series, you're not going to fire him unless he does something really, really stupid in game seven. Um, If they get swept, they do not fire him. As, as much oh, as no. Fire. If he gets swept, you fire him. Are you kidding? I don't think so. If he gets swept, you absolutely fire him. That will mean he absolutely mismanaged okay. every single game. Except the 60 he played, 60, 70 games up until now. I mean, he had to come back from a 3-1 series. You really needed the Atlanta better? Braves. You really needed Mookie Betts to bail you out is what you needed. To, well, to got, even beat the Braves. <laughs> well, you, yeah, that's but I, I'll say this in their defense. Like, that's trading. They traded some people to get Mookie Betts. It wasn't like they just outright signed him in free agency, and then they re-signed him. But they had to sign him in. He was still a free – like, he was going to be a free agent. He was after going that, like, to be. They re-signed him. They, they convinced yeah. him quickly. Yeah, they re-signed him. It, Everybody it, had Mookie going back to Boston. I'm glad he didn't. I mean, that would be terrible. But – uh yeah I, I I don't know I don't like the Dodgers they're a big market team like I said I don't care how you get the big money in baseball especially that's a sport where if you have money it's easier to win so I don't root for the big money teams uh and uh when it comes to when it comes to this World Series if the Tampa Bay Rays are able to win it that's awesome for me uh or to me and I think I, I think that would be great Plus, it would be beating the Dodgers. It would be beating Clayton Kershaw. It would be beating all these people. And and again, I I think I I know you have said the opposite. I think if they get swept, you absolutely fire Dave Roberts. If it's a seven game series, and you know you 
you make the right moves and it just doesn't happen, okay, um, I you don't fire him. But if it's like a four-game sweep or a gentleman sweep, a five-game series, uh, I think you probably got to fire him. That guy's been to three world championships in four, or yeah, three world championships in four years, and he can't get it done. One of those was a seven-game series. That would be bad. All right. Let's get to John Leonard in the B block. And we want to welcome John Leonard back to the Yak Sports Podcast. And John, thank you for coming on. Uh, Leland has this as your fourth appearance on the Yak Sports Podcast. And uh, let's just open it up. We know the World Series matchup now with the Dodgers and the Rays. Uh, first off, what do you think about the matchup? And two, who you got? Okay. Well, one, I'm I'm really excited about this this World Series. I'm. I mean, first of all, I mean, it seems like the regular season went by in the blink of an eye, didn't it? Yeah, well, it was yeah, sixty it was... games. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, super excited that Tampa Bay knocked out uh, probably the two. I'll say, in my opinion, the two most hated teams. You know, you've got the Yankees, um, which they need to go every year, of course. Right. Uh, and then knocking out the Astros. And the oh, Yankees. I thought you meant the Blue Jays. I thought the Blue Jays were one of the most hated teams. Yeah. Also, uh, yes. Blue, yeah, I wasn't thinking of the Blue Jays, but they did uh, did knock them out. Also, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the Dodgers, but I'm even less of a fan of the Braves. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that it's the Dodgers and the Rays really interested to see how the matchup will work. Uh, the Rays with their pitching staff and the Dodgers with this vaunted lineup, it really is going to be contrasting styles. I think, um, I just, but I just don't know if the Rays are going to hit enough to, to, uh, to win this. I mean, they certainly can, obviously. You know, it's professional sports. Anybody can beat anybody. You have to start with that caveat. Uh, but I – so I'm going to be rooting for the Rays, but I think that the, that the Dodgers will probably win, if well, that makes sense. Also, in that uh, ALCS, we got to see a former Valley Laker really play the role of hero um, with uh, – the Tampa Bay Rays and do the Dodgers have anybody? I don't think the Dodgers do. So it's just the Rays, right? They do not. They do not. The Rays have two players that, that played in the Valley league. Uh, they've got Mike Brusso, of course, the, the, who you referenced the huge home run off of a role Chapman. Oh, that's right. That and was in the ALDS. Gosh. Wow. That yeah, makes that everybody was, feel good. That was the right. That was the home run to actually send the Rays on. Um, and I, I actually, before you guys called tonight, I went back and I watched that that at bat again, and just so, I mean, ten pitches. He he took pitches that were just you know millimeters off the plate. He hit ringing foul balls. He hit a couple foul balls that he just barely got a piece of, and then launches the home run to send the Rays on. Uh, just fantastic. Um, he played in Waynesboro in 2015. So fair uh, to so say he, then, probably, like, he got that great eye by just watching pitches here in the Valley, like, staring at the oncoming traffic, or I guess the not oncoming, but the traffic there at Kate Collins. He got used to seeing cars move in the background <laughs> and trying to judge strikes, balls and strikes. So obviously, when he gets to the majors, watching somebody like Chapman, it was super easy to know that ball's off. 
super easy, right? I'm sure he saw a lot of 101 <laughs> mile an hour fastballs yeah. in, in the in the valley. For sure. Actually, Rousseau, when he was here in the regular season, he walked 14 times and only struck out 19 times. So he already had the idea of plate discipline at that point. Um, but the other player on the Rays who also played in the Valley is Ryan Yarborough. Hmm. Uh, he played in Lou Ray in 2012. He was on a pitching staff with Austin Gomber as well, who's a major leaguer with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so that was a pretty high-powered staff back then. Uh, but Yarborough is a really important starter for them and uh, threw some really good innings in, uh, in these playoffs as well. So Joe and I have already talked about in the podcast how we're probably having – we have different picks here for the World Series. I, I, I guess I'm probably just leaning more of like I think the Dodgers will win. And I actually – I honestly don't have a problem with it. I feel like – with what happened with the Astros and their cheating, well, the team they beat in the World Series that year were the Dodgers. And the Dodgers have gotten here, what, three out of four years. I also, I understand they spend a lot of money, but they spend a lot of money on their own guys. Sure, they've talked to Bryce Harper. They've talked to other guys. They only have one, one high-dollar free agent on their team right now. And honestly, the way they got him and they got him in the trade and then convinced him to stay there, I just don't mind their approach. It seems like they take the approach of, you know, bringing up your own talent and then signing it and keeping it there. And I, I like that better than the way the Yankees generally go about spending their money and just trying to bring in Giancarlo Stanton and all these other guys. I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't bother me much. Am I a huge Dodger fan? No. But I just, I guess I just don't have a, pro, a huge problem with them. And I tend not to like the Rays for some weird reason. I don't hate the low budget teams i'm a pirates fan but i just for some reason i've never taken to the rays so that's where i'm at didn't you say that you didn't like the stadium that the rays play in yeah i don't i don't like watching games on tv when they're in tampa bay that honestly no doubt about it has probably the biggest pull i I didn't want to admit that directly to you a person of respected baseball uh fame and and following but, yeah, I honestly just don't like watching their games on TV, and that, that probably pulls it that way more than anything else. Well, I'm not going to tell anybody to root for uh, root for someone or not to root some, for someone for my own reasons. <laughs> it's, it's totally up to you. But, uh, you know, I no, just we can thought of actually. Yeah, we can <laughs> say it. It's a bad reason. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, people root for teams and root against teams for all kinds of weird reasons, right? Like, it's, it's such a personal thing. But I, I did actually think of a connection with the Dodgers in the Valley League. Okay. This, this is odd, but Corey Seager, who is, who is absolutely on fire for the Dodgers, his older brother, Justin, played in Woodstock in 2011. Well, there you go. Doesn't count. He was drafted by the Seattle Mariners, and uh, I think he was released. He was released from Pro Bowl in 2017. And that's, and I mean, just tying it back to Corey Seager, Corey Seager has been with the Dodgers in his entire career, just mm-hmm. like many of those guys. Like, I mean, Bellinger, a lot of their big, a lot of their guys that have really gotten good for that team, especially their pitching staff, they, they've all been at LA their entire career. So I just, when I kind of started looking at it and knowing what Joe was going to come with, I just, I just don't, they're not the Yankees. They spend a lot of money, but a lot of that money spent on guys that have been there their whole career. So that, 
It just doesn't bother me the same way. And now that there's a Valley League connection, I don't know what more I need. <laughs> a, a tenuous Valley League. <laughs> hey, that's hey. When Justin Verlander's mother was playing in Stanton, that might as well have been Justin Verlander pitching for the Braves. So, no. <laughs> well, real yeah, fans, real fans of the Valley League are rooting for the Tampa Bay Rays because they have the actual connections, and the Dodgers. Typical, they're just going to try to use their money to sway Leland and say, "Oh, well, you got a brother, so here's some." They'll probably writing Leland checks. Leland's probably if they would like to send me money. See, I the bank is open. If they'd like to send money my way, I will put on a Dodger hat if they send me enough money. I'm not a mercenary. I'm not a mercenary for hire. (laughs) I have standards, and I'm supporting the small market Tampa Bay Rays. I'm a man of the people, so that's that's mainly what this is. A man of the people. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> but, but I I will say and you know watching the Tampa Bay Rays and Leland always gets mad at me for liking the Tampa Bay Rays uh it doesn't make sense to me when like you you guys are jet, like their first some stretches are battling for who's not last in that division it doesn't make sense that you like them yeah but I mean they're a small market team and they have success which is what I want the Orioles in your division yeah but I want the Orioles to do that and I think it's possible and you listen to Tim Kirchin talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think he's exactly right. They're the smartest team in baseball, not only in front office, but on the field. They just play the game so smart. And that you don't see them doing things like the Atlanta Braves did to get eliminated in this series by having runners at second and third and finding a way to double yeah, yourself up. Yeah, that was up. terrible. I mean, that, that, was, was... that was a train wreck. Yeah, but, that really was. <sighs> but how about those catches out in right field with Mookie Betts, the only high price free agent those catch like both of those catches in that series kind of lift like the Braves didn't score after those home run robbing catches in both those games like just crazy it's like you just don't see defensive plays swing momentum that that off. I, don't, I don't recall other ones other than Jeffrey Mayer which I'm bringing that up for a reason you just don't see momentum shift because of defensive plays that often it's usually a big homer or something but both of those catches that Allen right field did it for them. And I, I mean, I was cheering for the Braves. I wanted the Braves to win that series. Unlike you, John, but, but now I'll stay National League. I know why you don't like the Tampa Bay Rays though, Leland. I bet it's, why is it's, that? it's, it's that trade. Uh, you, you know, the, the uh, pirates should have Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows. Yeah. Yep. That, that's that's a good point. I, I don't know. You would, Oh my you would, it, I, that's well, usually that's drives most of my that's yeah. a Pittsburgh Pirates problem not a Tampa Bay Rays problem that drives most of my hate is jealousy but in this case I'm so used to being a farm system at the major league level that I actually I recognize those guys as pirates and and I actually, I smile that they can have success but it's not reason that I'm rooting against them you know what it is it's that the, the big guy that made the big play out from the Valley League for Tampa Bay He's the Waynesboro general, and that's my heated rival being a, a Stanton fan. That so that's that's, that's really what's bringing it down. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that's but even worse than you... not liking the trop, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is worse, Leland? Which is worse, that the Pirates went like 1941 this year and, <laughs> and were out of it from the beginning? Or the Phillies, who all they had to do was win a game and get into the playoffs, and they couldn't do it? Which which is worse to get? I, I would have to, to be terrible. Just from I, I'll use reasons from people close to me. Uh, Joe 
uh, is a real proponent of getting that high pick in the uh, in the Major League Baseball because we all know with the number one pick how how well that usually pays off. You know, one of those guys is in the Hall of Fame. Um, but also, show listener Ron, he always talks about not being in the middle and not just missing the playoffs. How that's just no man's land in any sport. So I would have to say Phillies missing out is is worse because also you had a little bit of heartbreak there. My Pirates, I knew second week of August we were done. I think I said it on the podcast. So um, I've been able to – I only had two weeks of optimism. So that was it was good. Yeah, yeah hope I'll is, take that. Yeah, hope is the most dangerous game. And as I like to say every year, you know, the Orioles didn't win the World Series. The Yankees spent half a billion dollars this year and also didn't win the World Series. And we got a better pick. So who's, who really won this year? I'd say us. Um, <laughs> but – John, I want to ask too now your your feelings on the news that broke uh, a couple weeks ago now with the Appalachian League being reclassified from advanced rookie ball, which is you know low level minor leagues but still professional baseball, to now a collegiate summer wooden bat league, like the Valley League, like the Cape Cod League. So it's another league for competition, and um, I, I talked about this last week on Forty Sports with. Uh, Patrick Height uh, from the newsletter who wrote the article for our local audience here. And then also Matt Neal, who our local audience here might not be familiar with, but he is the G one of the GMs at the Strasburg express. And he expressed, you know, a conversation that they had had with major league baseball since, since the news broke that no, 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 they're not backing this league with all this money. Um, but I, I don't know, like call me not convinced. And I don't know, maybe you feel differently about this. I am really just unsure how much you can trust major league baseball on this, seeing as they're also pitching. This as some idea to save minor league baseball by getting rid of teams. What? You don't trust major league baseball. You don't trust <laughs> Rob Manfred. Yeah. Manfred's the same guy who said the Houston about? Astros did nothing. Well, the players are fine and they're not going to get suspended. Yeah. That Rob Manfred, I don't trust him. Oh, yeah, that's maybe maybe just one of the many, many issues. No, I, I'm uh, – so, I, I mean, I am the media relations director for the league. So um, anything, anything that I say is, is purely just my own, my own opinion. And I was not a part of the phone call uh, that Matt talked about uh, with Major League Baseball or with their representative at least. So right. I, can't, I cannot speak to that, but I, I do – I am worried personally – um, this, this, this is not, I mean, this, this is a trend that's going in the wrong direction. Um, I, I am wondering, and I have no, I have no knowledge to base this on whatsoever, but I'm wondering how much, what is, what is major league baseball's end game here? Are, are they, are they looking to take over as much of the sport as they can? Uh, and so that they can do it their way, you know, I mean, what are we going to see next? Are they going to maybe take over perfect game and say that all the youth programs will be run by major league baseball? I, I don't, it's, it's just something to think about. I I'm, I'm also worried about the trickle down effect. I think it's absolutely real. Um, whereas maybe the top guys that would go to the Appy league or to the Cape Cod league are not ones that usually the Valley league is going after. Uh, I think I think if 
you know, if 300 guys go to the Appy League and another 300 go to the Cape Cod League, well, that reduces the, the pool significantly. And I think we see that definitely by the end of the summer in the Valley League, uh, that the arms are more scarce, uh, guys go home. It's just it's tougher to fill those, those spots with quality players. With all of that said, though, there are, things, there are reasons to still be optimistic. Uh, it will still be decent baseball. It's still, these are young guys. They're, they are talented. They're all uh, playing at the next level, you know, above high school anyway. They're all playing college baseball. Um, and fans are going to come out and they're going to want to watch teams that, uh, that I think, I think the only prerequisite really for fans in the Valley League is that the team is decent. Right. <laughs> you know, we've seen that in the last couple of years, in particular, like maybe like with Woodstock. Mm-hmm. When Woodstock went five and thirty-seven, there was no one going to their games. No one cared. You fast forward one year, and they're in the playoffs, and man, there were River Bandit fans coming out of the woodwork, and it was it was awesome to see, and it was also instrumental to see that really fans just want to see their local teams do well and win, whether it's you know whether it's D one guys that are going to be drafted in the first round or guys drafted in the twentieth. That's where I am. Okay. And then I, I think another reason to be optimistic, at least for, you know, next year, um, and we'll we'll talk about next year here some more. And I guess we'll I'll start driving it toward there now. Uh, but a lot of these Valley League teams already have their rosters. Mm-hmm. They do. They do. Not all of them. There are a couple teams that have um, zero guys signed at this point. Uh, oh. but some teams like Strasburg and Charlottesville uh, in particular, um, Winchester, mm-hmm. uh, Woodstock has a number of players too, uh, and New and Newmarket. They they probably have their whole rosters set already. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, it's going to take time though. Like, we're not. I would be surprised if like this year it just all falls apart. It just seems like a long game. Is is that that's how I view this announcement? Is they're going to make this adjustment and and we're going to split up some talent and probably notice you know. John and Joe might notice that, but I, as a, I, I consider myself more of just the common Valley League fan. And, uh, you know, I, other than looking at John's website, I don't, you know, follow these guys too much after. I'm just in it for going to a ball game with the kids. I, I just, I'm more worried about the long term. I'm not worried about next summer or the summer after, assuming COVID doesn't have an effect on it, that these, these games will be, not there. I don't be there. And and when you talk about fans just want to see their team win, I don't think the random fan really recognizes the talent level difference. I mean, there's other leagues out there that get fans at games that the talent level is much less than the Valley League. So I think there's just an aspect of going to a baseball game. I'm just worried that the team struggle to get enough players to even come. And when I see when I see this. Uh, talk about these leagues getting there all the focus starts tending to those leagues and out over like a five-year period are we going to see the valley league losing teams and get down to a, a minimal number of teams if and and that would be a really bad time that's what i'm worried about kind of more the long term for valley league I, i'm not i'm not as worried about that i the, good the i'm glad league, you're not yeah great then <laughs> pretty pretty steady footing i think um with the way the league is set up and the way that the communities are involved and the longevity of the league, I, 
I mean, there may be some summer leagues that are going to fold uh, because of some of these changes. I do not think uh, that the Valley League will be one of them. Well, and so, again, um, sorry to cut you off there, John. But, yeah, I, I agree. Um, as Leland's saying, you know, John and Joe maybe notices a, a drop here. I'm going to step in, too, and say if a third of these summer leagues fold because of something like the Appalachian League, I would say the Valley League is still on good footing just because I think the, the Valley League does not have to be worried about being in that bottom tier of the summer wooden bat leagues as it stands right now. Yes. I, I agree. Then I'm, I'm not as worried about this overall. I, I was more worried about the validity of the league or, or getting down to like six or four teams or something like that. You know, just um, some kind of nuclear situation like that. I for And I'm coming from a Stanton fan who, you know, honestly has a pretty solid fan base. Um, I'm sure when Braves are having their worst seasons, the fan numbers aren't as good. Uh, but Stanton does have a a solid home fan following. I, I think as long as they're putting baseball out there and it's at least to a certain level, I I'm not as worried about that because I think a lot of people come to Stanton Braves fan. It's a tradition. It's what they do with their family. It's what they do during the summer, you know, half the stands behind the behind home plate are filled with people that are hosting these kids. So I, I guess I'm a little more optimistic that this isn't, the beginning of the end for the Valley League, just from what you're saying. I, I, I'm more optimistic now. The, the, the thing that would worry me, of course, is if, is if Major League Baseball said, oh, um, this is working really well in, in the old Appalachian League. Let's go ahead and open another one. Yeah, uh, that would uh, yep. <laughs> third one. And then, a, you know, then yeah. if, if they're looking to take over as many, many layers of baseball as they can, then but then the whole industry is going to, is going to look radically different. So we don't need to worry about that just yet. It's interesting that you say that because that remind the first thing that popped in my head when you mentioned that earlier, uh, and I'm glad you brought it back, uh, is kind of like, uh, and Leland's going to hate this, but in soccer in England, like it's all technically run by the football oh God, association. <laughs> it's all technically run by, by an organization called the football association, which technically runs like all of the leagues a- and these tournaments that happen in the middle of the year so it's interesting that you say like is that what major league baseball's end game is is to try to run each level of baseball well isn't that what they do in like china and japan too aren't like when they talk about the little league world series and you have the teams from particularly the asian nations like isn't aren't those like all connected all the way through i i always remember hearing that when i was paying attention to it more i i couldn't speak to to those Come on, John. You don't you don't know how the deep intricacies of Japanese baseball. Come on. I, I can tell you that, that they were they were starting a little league program in Kenya when I was there. Uh, that was the conversation. Uh, but but uh, that never got off the ground either. So no, that's all I can speak to. <laughs> Sorry, Leland. But yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. Like, I mean, the soccer. It, to, to just piggyback on what Joe is saying, I mean, if if it is all dominated by like one organization that's bringing the kids up, I mean, look how much better at soccer they are in those in, in Europe than we are here. I'm I think we already produce pretty solid baseball talent, but maybe in the very long range, you know, again, not immediate. Maybe if they do decide to do that, maybe that's not the worst thing for talent level at the top. 
especially if they got back into the inner cities and, and they maybe reduced exactly. the cost of some of the some of the AAU. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's I don't think it's called that in in baseball, but um, travel yeah. teams and pony ball yeah. and right. Right, get more kids involved and make it cheaper for them to be involved. I think that would do be, do nothing but uh, be, be helpful to the bottom line. Baseball, baseball, be really smart with all the heat that the football, the sport of football, is under right now. Between safety and the high cost and every different thing that's attacking football, baseball would be very smart to be standing there with ways to be enticing for these kids. You know, a safer sport. With you know less head injury uh, potential, and uh, yeah, if you could keep costs down, and and I, it would be very smart for baseball to try to interject themselves into the landscape for young athletes as football keeps seeing a decline. I would agree. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, I guess I just see how the U.S. Soccer Federation is running things, and I, it makes me not <sighs> not trust the way that that model here i just think people mean, are too worried about some the, no i'm worried i'm worried that the league is going to look at profits versus actual development of the sport like the u.s soccer federation that's why our u.s soccer teams aren't any good we're not actually trying to get the best soccer players we're trying to get the richest soccer players that doesn't mean we get the best it, it, those two don't correlate I mean, if you're telling me some soccer organization isn't run well, I, that would be a shocker for me, considering the world the organization for FIFA is such a model for success and, and legality. Well, I was success, yes. Legality. <laughs> I was going to say, success, yes. Legality, no. I mean, those are two different things. If baseball chose to do that, though, with how, how many billions of dollars is in that industry, they could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think you're right, John, if they tried to make a targeted effort to get back into the inner cities and develop that and help the sport grow that way, I think that would go a long way. But again, like U.S. Soccer Federation's not doing that. U.S. Soccer Federation's going to the richest neighborhoods and saying, hey, pay us thousands of dollars to let your kids travel, you know, up and down the seaboard or all over the country or region in these tournaments. Overseas even, yeah. Um, So it, it just makes me... I guess I'd just be nervous about who runs it. And if somebody like Rob Manfred's running it, I just count on it being run poorly. Well, when Rob calls me and invites me to run it, I'll let you know. Okay. Well, as long as we can tell Rob Manfred to stay on his realm, messing stuff up and let us run it. Yeah. (laughs) Or let you run it. I don't want to run it. Actually. I just want you to run it. I actually trust you. Yeah, that's fine. No, I, I think it's a situation where you'll be the Billy Bean and Joe will be the uh, the assistant brought in. That's that's what I'm picturing right here. Which one of us is the handsome guy? We'll have you're the, you're the Billy Bean. You're Billy yeah, Bean. You're, you're the Brad good one. Pitt. I'm Jonah Hill, and I do. Joe, <laughs> Joe's gonna have to gain a lot of weight, and then probably lose it all again, and then gain it and lose it. It's gonna be weird. And then Leela and I will just have the official podcast for youth <laughs> youth baseball in the United States. <laughs> and, and all of your listeners just rolled their eyes saying, there they were. They just, they just lost the thread. <laughs> so as we talk about the future of baseball, let's look a little bit at the more immediate future of baseball. And I'll open this question up. Um, I'm worried about sports moving forward into this next year. 
And I guess I just wanted to have that discussion with you as, you know, we just did no fans for 60 games to get some baseball in. And even at the end of the run here, they've, they've gone to somewhat of a bu- bubble system. I, I don't see how you can do that for 160 games. I, I don't see the owners um, excited about playing with no fans next season. And that's at the major league baseball level, but also at the Valley league level. I mean, they canceled the season last year because we are in a pandemic. And as we go into the winter where plans are going to start getting finalized, I, I worry about either, either league of baseball happening moving forward. What, what's your outlook? Are you, smart and not try to look that far ahead and, and probably live a little happier than Joe and I. Well, you, you just, you just laid my answer out for me there, didn't you? <laughs> Man. And, and Leland, the truth is, I mean, who, who can, who can say? No one knows. Yeah. And, you know, I would, I would like to say that because the RCBL got their season in, that that would be a good harbinger for the Valley league, but it's not the same. Uh, the Valley League, they're bringing guys in from all over the country. They're staying with host families. They're they are not living at home. Um, there's an issue with the VHSL and um, pushing that the spring sports back. Um, Ten of the 11 Valley League teams play on high school fields. So um, we may have to start the season later. Uh, I do know that I can tell you that the, uh, that the, the, the last Valley League meeting that I attended um, – this was talked about uh, at length and teams teams talking about what can be done and, and a schedule and so on and so forth. And I think most, most of the Valley league owners uh, and administration are, are uh, cautiously optimistic about this, the season next, uh, next June, possibly starting a little bit later, uh, which would mean uh, we're working on the schedule right now. It would it would mean uh, some double headers starting maybe a week or two later than normal, and um, everybody playing one double header during the weekend, which I think would be pretty cool for fans. Yeah, that that's not that that's not that doesn't sound terrible. Uh, I don't coaches probably wouldn't like it, but uh, fans would like it. Yeah. Um, but but I just don't. I I will say that I I feel I feel. Um, in, I feel in very good hands with with the Valley League administration. I think uh, Bruce Alger and uh, Jay Neal as as uh, the commissioner and the vice vice commissioner or whatever whatever Jay's title is, they are thinking through these think, these issues and and I, I think that they'll make the right decision. Um, I was disappointed when the when the league was canceled last summer, of course, uh, but I think ultimately it was the right call. Um, Nobody got sick. Of, nobody got COVID because they were playing a, a Valley League game last summer. Will we be in a better shape? Be in better shape next summer? I don't know. I surely hope so. Um, boy, if we as a country could get our act together and, and beat this thing collectively, that would be our answer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's in other words, Leland, I don't know. There's another I don't know answer. <laughs> this is the this has been the nine months of I don't know or six months of I don't know podcast. So uh, we'll take it. It rounds out the conversation. It's just I mean it's worrisome. Like I, especially I think it starts with VHSL for me, and that's just because that's what we cover all, live on the radio on Friday nights, or we hope to. And it's 
the things things aren't improving. You know, we're, the conditions that we had in August to force there not to be a season. As we move closer to December, where this thing's supposed to kick off, it's not any better. And honestly, numbers are moving in the wrong direction. So it's just, yeah, it's I guess it's full right in my face right now. And and that's the scary thing about looking at the Valley League. June's going to get here faster than we all think it will. And you kind of got to know what you're doing. What? When they canceled the season last year, April? I mean, you're going to have to know then. So the, the the flip side is sometimes sometimes kids realize how important this is to them. And and I'm I'm thinking in particular, you know, when JMU first came back, there, there did not seem to be a coordinated effort uh, to keep the kids out of harm's way and for them to make good choices, perhaps might be, might be a fair way. A very nice way of saying that. That's, that's very pleasant. Um, Sure. And and I, and I don't think, so now here, this is what was happening is Eastern Mennonite university. They, those kids saw what happened to JMU and EMU pushed back their opening two weeks uh, because of the concern and because a couple, a couple kids had tested positive. And when those kids came back, they were so glad to be there, and they were so they were they were they were just convinced that they were going to do it better. And my daughter's over there; she's a senior this year, and they mask up everywhere that they go on that campus, and they have not had an outbreak. And they've been there since what? Um, I don't know. It's been a couple months now. They're doing it, and it's because those kids realize that if we don't if we don't really take care of this we're going to lose out our college experience. And, and I wonder, I wonder if, you know, can, can high school students do that with high school sports? Can, can these, can the Valley league players do that too? Like I want to play college. I want to play summer baseball. I will do whatever it takes. And if we get a collective effort together like that, maybe we make it happen. And maybe, maybe I'm just being too positive for this podcast. I don't. Know. I love it. I, <laughs> that's not on brand for the Exports podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> I would say it would take more than just the kids, though. I mean, I think the kids might be enough of a stretch, but you'd have to get like the communities because of the host family aspect of it too. If the host families aren't being careful and they get COVID, and then that gets the player COVID, and and there's just a lot, especially with the family just, as a country. For that matter, but all you all you had to do, all you had to do if you wanted Greenville, Virginia, not to have any COVID, is say, "Hey, Riverheads won't have any chance of handing a banner this year if you don't wear your masks." I don't think it said it said into their minds that that's a that's a true fact. They would have wore masks from day one if they just would have presented it. That well, can way. we say it? Can we say it now? Then, hey, if you don't wear a mask, Riverheads might not play high school football. I know people think this is a slam dunk and this is going to happen, so this will be the doom and gloom part of the interview, but we got, we got a hand, hand we up there. if we don't start wearing masks and stuff again, unless the VHSL gets some kind of special approval, uh, which I wouldn't bet money on. Um, we're not going to have high school sports as it stands right now, because we're still in phase three. And as Leland said, numbers are starting to keep going up and they're getting worse, not better. So wear a mask, Greenville, Virginia, wear a mask, Stanton, Virginia, Stewart's draft, Virginia. If you want to see the Cougars back in the state playoffs, wear a, bleeping mask and stop being an idiot i mean I, I say this all the time but just stop being an idiot just wear the mask it's not that hard if wearing a mask is the hardest thing you've ever had to do in your life man i wish i could be you because i don't know what that's like you can tell the guy that edits the episode is the guy that 
pauses a second and then says the word bleeping. <laughs> Maybe editing is harder than we thought, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's harder than wearing a mask, yes. <laughs> uh, but I want to, we'll get you out of here, John, on uh, just for fun question. Uh, what kind of TV shows or stuff like that are you binging? Or are you just binging playoff baseball? Well, I am binging a lot of playoff baseball, and in particular because I'm working on a really big project for the Valley League right now. I know. I'm so for excited. A major, for a major league team that will not be named. Um, I probably still have four weeks to go on this project, so all of my spare time is, is uh, sort of with baseball on in the background, and I'm working on this project. But, um, I, uh, Joe, you mentioned this, I think, in your last episode or two episodes ago. I'm a huge fan of Fargo mm-hmm. and yeah. so I'm watching the current season uh, yes. with Chris Rock and, uh, and loving it. I just love the writing and, uh, you know, Noah Hawley is involved with this and I think the Coen brothers were involved initially. I just, I get a real kick out of it. Uh, it's not for the faint hearted, you know, it's got, it's got <laughs> some, uh, some pretty heavy violence in yeah. particular, but, uh, but I'm getting a real kick out of it. And that's, that's what I'm spending my time with there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to starting the boys on, on prime. My, my daughter watched it. And, and when my 20 year old comes and says, Hey dad, I think you'd really like this. I probably need to spend some time with it. So that'll probably be after Fargo. I, I wanted, yeah, I'll back to Fargo. Cause that's the one of the two that I've watched. Uh, I'm really enjoying this season. This is my first uh, edition of Fargo that I'm jumping into. Uh, and I, I really do like it. I like, Chris Rock's character, uh, all the characters are so good, even even the ones that are bad people. Uh, and I loved um, Timothy Oliphant showing up and and playing a a version of his justified character or some of the similar uh, mannerisms that he had from the justified character. Because I loved that character so much. Um, so yeah, I I really have been enjoying that. We're caught up now to it too, so I'm excited to uh, keep on watching. Yeah, the the characters are delightfully quirky. Yes. <laughs> all right well thanks again john uh for joining us and talking baseball with us and uh stay safe and uh, we'll talk to you again soon thanks guys i love being on um thanks for the opportunity all right ladies and gentlemen thanks again to john leonard for taking the time to talk to leland and i Uh, But let's move it on to the D block. Leland, uh, I'll start first. What is dominate? Or no, you start first. Yeah, you start first. (laughs) I'll wait. You you go first. I think I talked about this last year around this time. Uh, My family has like a yearly tradition. We go on a fall drive. My wife takes a bunch of pictures of leaves and she puts the kids out in the middle of leaves or good views and takes good pictures of them. And... I enjoy it. I do. Uh, it, it's it's always usually on a day. I'm, uh, the reason I'm hesitating is because it's usually usually on a Saturday or Sunday that we want to go, and it's always like there's three football games I want to be watching <laughs> instead of this. But then I go and I always have a good time, and we've and we've made some cool drives, and we're starting to repeat some of them now because there's only so many directions you can go. Uh, some years gets decided how far how long the drive lasts because of how old the youngest kid is 
Um, but this year we had a solid good drive, went on the Blue Ridge Parkway on Friday because I'm on the 410 path right now. And it was very nice. And then it made me even happier on Saturday and Sunday to see that Skyline Drive and Blue Ridge Parkway had like lines of cars and waits to even get onto the onto the parkway and drive. And it was bumper to bumper for, you know, tens and hundreds, you know, lots of miles up there on there. I was glad we got it out of the way, did it already because these next couple of weekends, it was going to be probably bad. And plus we had some awesome views. And uh, I guess where I was get, wanting to bring this up for is that we live in a pretty place. And I think it's easy to not recognize that all the time because we see it every day. Um, but when I go to Louisiana and I go to, um, other places on the coast. And I, I've been to San Francisco and San Francisco is pretty cool. And, and, and Lake Tahoe, that was a cool place, but to live in an area like this, that's as pretty as this. Um, I think we take it for granted. And I, I was reminded of that this weekend and also reminded that I have some nice kids and it was, it was a fun time. And, uh, that's what I did this weekend. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I would say that, um, I would agree with you on just the beauty of our area and uh, would recommend people taking advantage of that when they can. Um, I would also say that um, what has been dominating my life has been uh, not this area or this country even. It's been the Merseyside Derby that was this weekend. I told you the soccer talk was coming. Everton is top of the table still, I believe. Um, I didn't check it after Sunday, uh, but they got a draw with Liverpool in what was really uh, a match that was VAR. They call replay VAR over there, which is, stands for video assisted replay. Um, and it was, it did not have a great day in the Merseyside Derby. I, I thought that uh, there was a, and the announcers agreed that there was a clear and obvious red card that should have been given early in the match uh, when Everton's keeper came out and, and tore Virgil van Dyke's ACL with a reckless challenge where he got none of the ball on all of Virgil van Dyke and took his leg out. Uh, that was bad. And then there was another uh, instance in that match where it's late in the match. And what happens is we score what looks like the game winning goal in, in stoppage time or at the death as they call it. Um, and then they look at it just to make sure that no one was offsides. Looked to me like, and Leland, I know you were watching. Looked to me like there was no one offsides, but somehow it came back that yes, I guess you know Sadio Mane, you know, had a hair sticking off of his elbow that maybe was further than in the Everton player. That's the only thing I can think of. And somehow he was ruled offsides, and so then the goal doesn't count, and then it's a draw. Um, I I didn't see it. I still don't. I've I've watched numerous angles. I still don't see how he was ruled offsides. So it was hard to watch that match. And then it was a three-three final, very exciting match. But it was hard to not come away from that a little upset uh, that it was a draw and not a Liverpool win. Yeah, I was watching. I actually turned it over there when I woke up on Saturday morning, so a little bit after I woke up, um, and watched a little bit of it. Yeah, I agree with you about that last call. Like I've seen far worse offsides not called and uh that one it just it looked like he was fine like i want I, I know my soccer watching is primarily world cup but i don't know i don't think you need to have a high level of soccer or some world organization to look at a video and say what's what and so 
um, the, the fix must have been in. It must have, must have had some money with the refs on that. So It does make you wonder sometimes, doesn't it? Um, what I know that you need to know, and this is a topic that I think Leela and I had, but we never got to, and if we did, I've already forgotten about it, uh, when there was no sports during the pandemic on favorite announcers. But Doc Emmerich is one of my favorite play-by-play guys, and he's great at hockey. Uh, and he announced today that he's retiring, uh, and he's not going to be doing hockey anymore which sucks. Um, I don't know who they're going to go with as play-by-play because just to me, like Doc Emmerich was the guy and it was not close. Um, the guy who was like the B guy for NBC Sports Network who I would imagine maybe gets the leg up to get promoted to the top spot, is his name is escaping me right now. But I, I just love listening to Doc Emmerich call games. Uh, he was doing the Stanley Cup when the Caps won a few years ago. Um, and he, and he's one of the reasons I enjoy watching playoff hockey, even when the Capitals aren't playing is because he does such a good job calling the game. Uh, so for him to announce his retirement, uh, kind of sucked. Uh, so wish him the best in retirement though. And, uh, I hope that the next guy can come in and kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to ask to get to that Doc Emmerich level, uh, because he was so good, but hopefully he can, uh, be comparable and I can enjoy still watching hockey yeah i i'm not as big a hockey watcher so i i don't have a lot of stories with him and that but i recognize what he is and, and know when i heard that guy's voice i knew i was watching a big game because every year when i turn in stanley cup playoffs it was his voice so um yeah it's a shame when you these legends of these of the sports and in playing it or calling it or managing it when they go away it's always a big deal and so this is a very big deal and uh it'll be a hole for a lot of hockey fans that are used to hearing that voice. So, um, that's, that's a shame, but I think as I get older, I starting to recognize these guys that are retiring or, you know, I am I'm, I'm getting a lot of these guys that I've watched their entire careers. Like I very much remember when they were drafted and now I'm watching them retire and I'm watching them go to the hall of fame. So, um, I think losing these guys in sports is starting to be a bigger factor. And, uh, this is definitely one on the list. You know, a week after we talk about Joe Morgan and how much he meant to me watching Sunday night baseball as I grew up here, here's an equivalent for hockey fans. So, uh, uh, luckily only losing him on air and not like we lost Joe Morgan, uh, terrible, uh, <laughs> phrasing that I just used there, but you still won't be able to hear his voice consistently with hockey coverage. And that'll be a big hole. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Albert. That's who I was trying to think of. I knew it was one of the, Oh Alberts. yeah. Kenny Albert. Man, I don't do know. All, man. He does football. I know. He everything. does football, basketball, baseball, yeah. hockey. He does it all. Hats off to Kenny Albert. I don't know. It's it's weird. I just think, like, if you're telling me. He doesn't me, have as much character. Right. If you're saying, hey, Kenny Albert is the voice of hockey, I'd be like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> you're Kenny right. Albert is a he pro. And he, he has the He's really lines. good. He's Albert's son. Like, yeah, he's, he's really good. He's, he's really good. I just don't know if he can be, like, the A guy. Yeah, I, I, especially for a sport like hockey, it's nice to have that character up there. And I mean, it's, I think that's something we get. Vince Scully had a lot of character. Mm-hmm. Um, all these college football guys, uh, you know, had a lot of character. Where, like, maybe Chris Fowler doesn't. You know, Chris Fowler is a little more straightforward. I, I think that's what a lot of announcings turned into is more is more straightforward than what we used to have with, with the legends that call these games. And I'm going to miss... I'll, I'll miss that in general and these other names that I've said. So, uh, 
yeah, I, that's that's a good point. It would be the worst thing in the world for Orioles fans, but Gary Thorne used to do hockey. He was Doc Emmerich before Doc Emmerich. Um, and then Gary Thorne wanted to go to baseball. But if Gary Thorne wanted well, to go back Emmerich to was hockey. calling in Canada was the difference, right? He right. was calling for the Canada mm-hmm. station. We just didn't know him as well. Right. But uh, then Gary Thorne decided to go to baseball. So Doc Emmerich got on NBC Sports Network uh, and did hockey. But now that Doc Emmerich's retired, if Gary Thorne wanted to go back to hockey, I would imagine that might be a fit because he's in a contract dispute with Masson, which I just want Masson to burn to the ground. Um, I hate it. We're getting sued over it as the Orioles. If I lose Gary Thorne and have to listen to Scott Gersow for a whole 162-game season, I'll just put the TV on mute. I can't do that to myself. I, I go through a lot as a sports fan and I'll put myself through a lot of punishment, but 162 games of Scott Gersow is a, it, that's a bridge too far. I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, Gary Thorne's 72 and doc Emmerich who's retiring right now is 74. So not too many years between them. I would be surprised Gary Thorne, like making that kind of move for like a probably max five year deal, but maybe, maybe he does. I mean, if he could be that top spot, if they haven't already given it to Kenny Albert, Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's done it before. So it's just going back to hockey, a sport that he actually, I'm sure he stays in touch with. I'm, he's a huge hockey fan. Yeah. But like also being the number one guy for NBC's hockey coverage is a much different job than calling the Orioles games where half your games are in a city. I assume he owns a house now. And I I don't know. He actually lives in Maine. Does he really? Mm-hmm. So he travel like he just comes in there for a homestead. I think he probably has like a apartment or I don't know what the situation yeah. is, but I don't. He lives in Maine. Still a little bit, still a little bit different, but yeah, that that's interesting. I I did not know that. All right, fun so fact my, before we I know that, hold on. Fun fact. Um, did you know Doc Emmerich belongs to some hot late night action? I just found this searching <laughs> for him. Uh, graduated from Bowling Green. Wow. So good for him. Good for him I and just good for Bowling he was Green. A pure Canadian. I would have figured he was from Calgary and went to Calgary University or something. But what's the matter, you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's let you finish so we can end this episode. Well, what I know that you need to know is, I mean, COVID's pushed a bunch of sports into the fall, and I saw this coming, and and I don't want to make it sound like I'm not appreciating what I have. I very much am. I've, I've watched more baseball nightly this year than I have in the last years. I think kids add a lot to that, but I, it was on my house every single night. And so I was really embracing that. And with football, I'm probably sitting there watching games that aren't really close longer than I used to, just because I'm glad sports are back because I just love that being a part of my life. But I'll tell you what, man, these weekends, I have lost track of other sports because football just dominates my mind, college football. And then the NFL on Sundays, I'm that's really the only thing getting my attention. Maybe by eight o'clock I'm watching an coast, uh, you know, a Eastern coast conference, Western conference final in the NBA or a finals game or a major league baseball, uh, LCS game. But these other weekends I've, I've really gotten to Monday on a plenty of weeks and been like, okay, so what happened in the other sports other than football? And then this weekend, like I, I was looking at coverage today and I'm I'm seeing about the race, uh, the NASCAR race that happened this weekend. I I had no awareness that racing was even happening back when hockey was still happening. I, I didn't watch a second of hockey almost every year. I watch at least 
the winning moment of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm at least aware enough of it. I've watched a little bit here and there, watched some final, like the the third period or overtime of some other games. I watched zero hockey this year because it was just so much other sports going on that I was engulfed with it. And then looking ahead, golf. I, I love watching the Masters in, in April. I know it's not your thing, but I, I love watching it. I, I get excited for that Thursday, Friday, and then – if it's interesting going into the weekend, and most years it is, the Masters is usually a contended tournament. I I don't know if I'm looking ahead to November 14th for the Masters at all. I mean, Virginia Tech plays Miami that Saturday. I, I can tell you I am not turning off Virginia Tech Miami to watch golf that day. And that's the Masters. So that's strange for me in my sports calendar. And then also they just announced today something else that I just think is a terrible idea this year. They're going to have the Capitals one, Capital One's the match which is the similar um, title to the Tiger, Phil, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady that happened a year ago. But this time it's going to have Charles Barkley and Phil Mickelson on a team taking on Steph Curry and Peyton Manning. So I'm confused on the matchups there. There's only one pro golfer there. I know Steph Curry's good. Uh, Peyton Manning wasn't impressive. Charles Barkley's terrible. I guess they're just taking the best golfer and the worst golfer to the two guys somewhere in the middle. Okay. Put that on sometime when there's not a lot of other sports. And I'm, I might cut over there for a minute just to watch the banner. They put it on black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving at three o'clock in the afternoon, there is an unbelievable amount of college football happening that day. And I will be watching that. So I just, I think that's, is a big mistake from Capital One and TNT, I don't think they're reading the room on this, that I'm going to be watching Notre Dame play UNC that day, and I'm not going to really care about Charles Barkley swing in a golf club. Again, I know you don't ever care, but I'm telling you, I'm a guy that they're shooting for. That I'm a fan of golf that they want watching that, and I have zero interest at this point in watching that, and I don't, I don't see how that's going to change. All right, let's get out of here. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod or on Facebook at Yak Sports Pod or emailing us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed and your friends are subscribed at Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify. And we are looking forward to hopefully having some high school sports to break down. But we will keep on talking about the sports that you, the Augusta County sports fan, care about in the meantime. And we look forward to talking to you guys again next week.